The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Wednesday morning and welcome to a hump day edition of Analyze This here on your NPR station in the U.S. Virgin Islands, WTJXFM with yours truly, Neville James. It's a beautiful day in paradise. Nippy, I know I drive in, I could feel the breeze. Check upper 70 degrees. It's a good time to be uh, in paradise. Um, we got the um, Caribbean Genealogy Library. Yeah, they're going to be joining us uh, in our number one. There's a conference that's um, slated um, for to begin tomorrow. Uh, it's a three-day conference, and um, it'll be held at the University of Virgin Islands, the St. Thomas campus. In the ACC conference room, virtual attendance is also available. And the conference is organized by the Caribbean Genealogy Library, the University of Virgin Islands, and the In the Same Sea Research Project from the University of Copenhagen. Do we have um, the principals uh, joining us this morning from the Caribbean Genealogy Library? Good morning. Okay, I guess not yet. I guess we're working on uh, setting them up. They should be joining us uh, via uh, AirLink uh, rather shortly. Uh, by the way, um, yesterday I got a text message from uh, my good friend um, Marvin Pickering about Wall Street. I see Wall Street took a hit yesterday, lost 2% of the market share. Uh, almost 700 points uh, was lost on the Dow Jones so that's something we're keeping our eye on clearly a number of things taking place as we approach the one year anniversary of the invasion of the Ukraine and other things going on a very turbulent time uh, on uh, the mainland Okay, so keeping an eye on that um, also our <coughs> We had a okay um, sample yesterday, 12 to 1 ratio. Mm, yeah, 12 to 1 ratio. Uh, um, Department of Health, um, 400 and, um, I'll make sure I get this right. I think it was 403. Mm, yes, sir. Hold on there. 404. Yeah, 373 negatives and 31 positives. Just over 12%. Let's see, 310 and 62. As a matter of fact, it's 12. 310. Yeah, just over 12%. Uh, 
twelve to one ratio, I should say. So um, keeping an eye on that. Of course, you know we had the fair and a number of events uh, over the weekend. So um, there's a likelihood you might see a little uptick, even though the actives are now down to forty-four territory-wide, which is tremendous given where we were a month ago. But at the same time, um, this week we might see a, a little surge um, because of um, the congregating at the fair and the different events that we had over the long uh, holiday weekend. So, uh, we'll get into details of that uh, a little bit later. But we're still trying to uh, connect uh, with the Caribbean Genealogy Library and they should be joining us uh, on the line now. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Fine, thank you. Who am I speaking with? Sophia Obain. Miss Obain, how are you? I'm doing okay. Okay, good. Big conference start tomorrow. Yes, the first day of the conference is tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, tell us about the, the CGL and, and what's the goal and all that good stuff. So the CGL stands for the Caribbean Genealogy Library. And it is a research library for history, culture, and genealogy located on St. Thomas. Um, the entire collection, all it focuses on is the history of the Virgin Islands and the territory and um, the Caribbean in general. So we have a large collection of books that are related to the USVI, the British Virgin Islands. Um, the closer the island is to it, us, the more information we have about them. Um, and then we also have records on microfilm and also um, access to records that have been digitized that are related to um, mostly the U.S. Virgin Islands and British Virgin Islands. How long has the library been in effect? Um, it was opened in September of 2000. So this is 23 years. And how long have you been with them? I have been volunteering with the library for 10 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where's the location of the library? The library is located in Alcoans at the top of Rapoon Hill. Um, a lot of people are familiar with the paint depot, which is right below us. It's in Building 3. And then right next to us is Mango Tango Art Gallery. So we're, we're on the second floor of Building 3. Okay, so you've been there for the last 10 years, so, so I guess we could speak to that. Um, How has it um, evolved uh, over the last decade? Um... Uh, We've expanded on the events and workshops that we've offered. Uh, when the library first started, it focused largely on the collection and having people come in to read and research. Um, but in the last um, probably eight to ten years, we've added a lot of events and workshops. We tried before COVID to have something once a month so that people would come in and we'd have someone lead a talk on how to use a certain record group record group or how to do genealogy research um, and also lectures on historical topics. Uh, we would also do um, author events. If there was a new author, we would invite them to discuss their new book um, and have them sell and sign their books. Uh, we moved a lot of that events to virtual during COVID. And in the last year, we've gone back to having some virtual and some live and the conference will actually be both. It will be in person on St. Thomas and also available virtually. Okay. Now, um, we were once 
known as the Danish West Indies, right? Mm-hmm. And um, that seems to be the time frame that has stuck with us when we tend to talk historically about the Virgin Islands. Um, that that span lasted for almost 200 years or thereabouts. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, so why, why, why do you think the, the Danish era of control in the Virgin Islands um, has had the long-lasting influence that it's had, given on what um, you've, you've studied over the years as it relates to genealogy uh, at the library? Well, I, haven't, I do agree with you that it seems like a lot of the, even the presentations that we do um, at the library, a lot of them focus on pre-1917 um, and a lot of the resources that are available are materials that were either um, scanned or digitized from that period. Um, we've tried to find researchers that are interested in the last, Hundred and uh, what is it? Sixteen years, um, and it's it is more difficult. Um, a lot of the, of course, the Danish researchers, students, and professors of history are interested in the Danish period because that's that's their history. Um, and a lot of, also a lot of the um, people studying genealogy because it's just maybe one or two generations that are in the last hundred years. And then their great-grandparents would be living in the Danish West Indies, so they would be looking at those records as well. Um, the materials that are related to the U.S. Virgin Islands are harder to come by. Um, a lot of that material is in NARA, the National Archives in the U.S., and very little has been digitized. So to access them, you actually have to travel to um, the U.S. mainland to access the records. Um, and then records that are here in the territory are also difficult to access. Um, not very much of it has been digitized, so not a lot of it is available online. So again, you have to make appointments um, with the territories, um, libraries, and to access them, if, if in fact they are accessible. So access to the material to do the research is one of the issues, and then um, just having fewer people who are doing research on the last, uh, hundred years on the U.S. period. Um, so definitely, um, we try to encourage people to look at topics that are in that period as well. Um, we do have, for the conference, I think there's one of the topics deals with the immigration in the 1960s and 70s, so it is a more recent topic. Um, but a lot of the topics, just like you said, are, are dealing with um, early colonial history even before Danish West Indies, because the conference does include the Lesser Antilles in general. So there's some topics that are uh, early 1600s from other islands. And then we also have one topic that deals with the Amerindians, um, so pre-colonial um, exploration and invasion of the Caribbean. Um, uh, there are some of the family historians that are speaking at the conference are dealing with 1900s, but when they go backwards, then they're in the Danish West Indies again when they're dealing with their um, great-grandparents or further back. Families, friends, and institutions across the sea. That's the title 
of the, the three-day conference that, yes. that will focus on inter-island connections shared uh, in the Lesser Antilles. Um, how did you go about um, determining, you know, the confines of where you want to focus on with this particular conference? So last year, the genealogy library was approached by a professor of history from the University of Copenhagen, and they are working on a, I think it's a four-year project called In the Same Sea. And their project is centered around researching the the Danish West Indies, but how the Danish West Indies was connected to the other islands in the Caribbean. And they approached us and asked about um, doing a conference here in the VI. And when we spoke, we were very interested in having it focus both on history, but also to include the family historians, um, because it often gives... Um, history, but from a more individual perspective, rather than a broad stroke, you have an individual story and individual voice. So we wanted to really have both things together. And when we spoke, we wanted it to um, speak to the families and also understand that when people are migrating between islands, it affects friendships and it affects institutions like church, um, sports. Um, things that you're involved with on the island you are from and where you moved to. So then we, we decided on that particular topic, that the connections between the islands and how it affects um, history and then how it affects families, friends, and institutions. University of Copenhagen, what's the relationship um, with uh, that institution and the Virgin Islands, to your knowledge? Uh, the University of Copenhagen, um, the, the Caribbean Genealogy Library have have often kept in touch with the historians and the professors that are there. Um, it it may appear that there's a lot of people there studying Danish West Indies history, but it is a small group. Um, and because the Caribbean Genealogy Library is in the USVI and we focus on USVI Danish West Indies history. It's important for us to keep connected with them so that um, so that they can present, so they can share material. So when we have a researcher who's interested in a certain topic and we haven't been able to find the resources they need here in the territory, we can reach out to somebody there and ask them if they know of something or if they can share it with us or if it's digitized, share a link to it. So we've we've maintained a relationship with them. Um, for many years, some of their researchers have presented at the library. Um, they've made donations of books and materials um, over the years. Now, um, one of the big issues that uh, a number of Virgin Islanders um, continue to, and I believe legitimately, ask for some um, redress is reparations. Uh, mm -hmm. And for some reason, you know, we keep getting... The runaround, um, when I believe the the argument is legitimate, given what you know has had been done to us and taken from us, and in in many instances um, currently uh, are in in Denmark, um, what's the genealogies, the genealogy libraries uh, take on the reparations argument over the years? Uh, that's not a topic that has come up to say at a board meeting or something like that at the library. Um, I was at the 2017 um, 
commemorative ceremony on the legislative grounds, and I know that there were people from the government in Denmark present, as well as the U.S. Um, federal government had people present, and there was an anticipation that something would be said, and I know nothing. I don't think anything was said at no, all about no, it. No, it wasn't. Um, at the time, yeah. um, I was a member of the legislature um, mm -hmm. at the Centennial in, in March, in March of uh, 2017 and 17 yeah nothing nothing yeah. was said at all yeah yeah so you know, but i don't think that's gonna go away though it shouldn't no no um and for legitimate for legitimate uh reasons but that was an opportunity to, that 2017 um ceremony was an opportunity to have said something mm -hmm. um yeah but we're, we're we're past the saying though you know yes i think i think at some point you know if you've recognized uh, that in fact our our claim is legitimate. Our forefathers, foremothers, um, were taken advantage of. Just being very candid. Mm -hmm. um, there should be some level of um, recompense, and here we are now. Now what? Almost six years um, past the centennial. One hundred and six years since the U.S. purchased uh, Denmark and. For you know, for for it to now, you know, for it to still be lingering like this is is unfortunate. Not your fault. I'm just mm -hmm. I'm just speaking out loud here. So yeah, I want I want to make mm -hmm. that clear. Um, you're in the business of your repository for the most part. So uh, we're cool with that. Three day conference beginning tomorrow. Um, tomorrow's an afternoon session from one p.m. Mm -hmm. to five p.m. and then the second and third days, uh, which will be uh, that would be Friday and Saturday. Right, um, mm -hmm. the the conference runs from nine thirty a.m. to four p.m. A three day event is a twenty dollar ticket for in person and or virtual attendance. It's the uh, in the CMC research project, the uh, Caribbean Genealogy Library, um, along the University of the Virgin Islands, University of the Virgin Islands, and. Uh, in, in in collaboration with the University of Copenhagen, um, mm -hmm. is hope, hosting this uh, uh, family, friends, and institutions across the sea conference. Um, we'll talk some more about this uh, when we come back with Miss Sophia Abin right after this. On Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, we are not afraid to stand up to the high and mighty like Jeff Bezos. He had that big cowboy hat on. <laughs> he looked like, like a shrink ray had hit Garth Brooks. <laughs> I'm Peter Sagal. Join me as we speak truth to power, at least until power agrees to buy us out, on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Saturdays at 1 p.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. All of us want to know what's going on, but only some of us want to know the why. That's where we come in. 1A is a place for the curious. Daily conversations for those looking to make sense of our world. I'm Jen White. I hope you'll join me next time for 1A. Catch 1A at its new time. Weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1.
listening to the wings of a monarch butterfly. What a magical thought. They arrive here on the Day of the Dead, which we celebrate here in Mexico. And a lot of the indigenous people believe that it's the souls of their ancestors that are returning. You know? And it's very spiritual. That's On Point with me, Meghna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1. Parents, have you struggled with finding safe spaces for your children to meet up and learn through play and social interaction? Teen Time at the VI Children's Museum offers fun family learning for children ages 12 to 18 years old. A free program for all participants. For dates and information, 340-643-0366 or teentime at vichildrensmuseum.org. And we're back here and analyze this. And we've got Miss Sophia Abain from the Caribbean Genealogy Library, located in Alcoin Mall over there, uh, on St. Thomas, joining us in advance of a three-day conference that begins uh, tomorrow at the University of Virgin Islands, uh, St. Thomas campus in the ACC room. And it's also um, available virtually. Um, family, friends, and institutions across the sea is a three-day conference that will focus on the inter-island connections shared in the Lesser Antilles. Good morning once again, Ms. Sabine, for making some time to join with us this morning. Now, let's talk about the Lesser Antilles. Uh, that that starts, I guess, with us, right? Technically, from a from a from a geog- right. from a geological standpoint, on mm-hmm. the on the northern side and working its way down towards Trinidad and Tobago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what's your take uh, when, 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 on your studies and you've looked at the Lesser Antilles? Um, what are some, some of the unique characteristics about the Lesser Antilles that, that's, that stand out from your perspective? Uh, well, the, the connection that all of them have to the sea, and that's, that's, it's the sea that allows um, there's a food source, there's a recreation source, there's access to transportation um, historically for for people moving between islands that were free, for people that were enslaved people that were running away. It, the sea has such an important part in the history broadly and also for individual histories um, throughout the Caribbean. And, and it's that that we're looking at, that the people were moving for different reasons. Uh, moving for work is the biggest reason, but people moved for other reasons historically. Um, so it's it's that part of the Caribbean, I think, that we're focusing on, the ability for people to move um, move between the islands. Uh, there, There is one presentation that's talking about resistance and the 1733 revolt in St. John. Um, there's another one talking about... Um, runaway enslaved people and marinage and using small boats to get between the islands. Um, there's also another topic on moving between islands because of drought. There drought on one island causing people to look for fresh water and moving for that reason. So that, that access to the sea um, in order to move and trade between the islands. 
um, is one of the features and the things that we're focusing on. No. No. Um, the Lesser Antilles starts with the virgins, right? Culebra mm -hmm. um, and Vieques, right? They are technically the Spanish virgins. And uh, here in the U here in St. Thomas, St. Croix, and St. John, we're the U.S. Virgin Islands. I know we got uh, the BVI mm -hmm. uh, with Tortola and Virgin Gorda and Agata, uh, what have you. And then uh, when you work your way south down the archipelago, uh, in the middle of the archipelago, we got some French-speaking islands, mm -hmm. um, specifically um, Guadeloupe, Martinique, um, Dominica, uh, St. Lucia. Uh, they speak the Patois. And then um, you get further south and you go back to English-speaking islands, um, mm -hmm. like Barbados, uh, Trinidad and Tobago. That's that's pretty unique, isn't it? When you look at it, how yeah, you know, we got culturally some, it's diverse. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, with with with, with um, Spanish-speaking islands up top, and then uh, um, English-speaking islands, and got some Dutch as well, right? With um, mm -hmm. Saint Martin um, and uh, um, Saint Bart Saint Bart's. Um, so, so I would say that the 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 diversity um, mm -hmm. of of the Lesser Antilles actually makes us even more unique and, and special, for lack of a better term. Yes, absolutely. Now, in the Virgin Islands, we're we're pretty much a melting pot, given the fact that uh, a lot of folks um, who have lived in the Lesser Antilles and the Caribbean um, ultimately try to get their way to the mainland. And some of the easiest... Uh, ways to do so is stopping off in the Virgin Islands. Um, will there, if, if it's not a part of this conference, will there be at some point um, um, some type of review on history uh, related to us being, you know, in in a literal sense, uh, a transition location on the way to the mainland? So one of the the topics you you mentioned a lot of the other islands, the the presentations. A lot of them about the U.S. Virgin Islands, but there's quite a few that are about other Caribbean islands. Um, there's there's one that talks about, actually you said the Dutch, one that talks about the Dutch in St. Kitts, Guadeloupe, and Martinique. Um, there's another presentation that has to do with um, uh, Ang Anguilla and people from Anguilla moving in particular to the USVI, um, but also to other islands. And there's one about Grenada. Um, and there's a professor from Puerto Rico who's going to speak about uh, migration of um, people of color, including some runaway enslaved people who, who went to Dominican Republic and how they were um, accepted or treated there and a focus on language. Um, as far as the migration to the USCI, one of the presentations um, is going to speak about what occurred in like the 1950s, 60s, and 70s when there were a lot of um, when there was a lot of migration from the English-speaking islands to the USCI um, and why they were coming and how it affected 
um, the territory and that some of them were trying to ultimately get to the U.S. So there is one of the topics is discussing that history. That's that, that's good to hear. Um, and of course, you know, I mentioned this over and over again. That was uh, a window when our population tripled mm-hmm. from uh, 33,000 to 99,000 between 1960 and 1980. Um, so it's good to, to know that one of the uh, topics in, in what's going to be um, six sessions, right? You got yep, six, six sessions. Six sessions with 20, 20 talks 20, over the six sessions. 20 talks over six sessions. Uh, how many sessions tomorrow in the afternoon? Uh, tomorrow it is one session. Um, it's making connections in the early Lester Antilles. So mm-hmm. All of the topics tomorrow. The keynote is tomorrow, um, and that's by Dr. Joy Lewis, who's a BV Islander. Um, but the other topics are are about the Lesser Antilles um, early early history. So it, there's one on Amerindians and on their navigation of the um, Caribbean and how they had a route, a migration route, a trade route through the Caribbean. How they used their um, canoe to navigate the islands and that they were familiar with the different islands in order to travel and go back to where they came from. So it's a look at at understanding um, the routes that they had in the Caribbean region. And then there's also another on early history on the role of Creole women. Many of them were mixed race, but on the role of Creole women um, in the early 1600s in in the foundation of the Danish West Indies and the foundation of some of the neighboring islands and the role that these women played. And that presentation will focus on some specific women and on how they um, influenced um, their community. Um, there's also um, in the early Lesser Antilles history, there's letters. There were letters from Dutch um, colonists on some of the other islands, and those letters were on a ship, and they were they were saved, and they're in a museum. And so that researcher went through the letters to understand what was going on um, at that early point um, in history. On the days on Friday, the sessions focus on family history. So on Friday, we have the first session is on challenges of doing family history in the Lesser Antilles. Um, and a lot of that has to do with access and finding the records in order to do the research. And in the afternoon, we have Antillean family histories in the 20th century where um, genealogists that have been able to to trace their ancestors um, will describe how they did it and what their family story is. And some of that includes um, where it's multi-generation in the USVI and Danish West Indies, and some of it is people who came from other islands. One of them is Dominica to Guadeloupe, Guadeloupe to St. Thomas, St. Thomas to New York. So she describes her ancestors in the 1900s traveling through um, the USVI to ultimately get to the U.S., which, which is what you were just talking about. And then on Saturday, we have a session on food, survival, and resistance. Um, we also have one on islands of green gold, and then migrants and their communities in the Lester Antilles and beyond. So there's one session tomorrow, two on Friday, and three on Saturday. Okay, that's, that's, that's pretty comprehensive. You're to be commended for that. Um, one of my uh, uh, listeners uh, has a question. He said the, the CG, C, CGL is applauded for its efforts. Uh, there was an archive agreement between the Virgin Islands and Denmark under the Turnbull administration. Has the CGL taken advantage of it? 
and what is on the horizon for the CGL? Are you are are you familiar with this archive agreement? Um, I'm not sure ex which exact um, agreement they're speaking of. Um, it would have had to been between 1999 and and 2007. That was the Turnbull administration window. And um, did the listener say what it was supposed to be about? Was it to provide access or? No, no, they didn't. It was pretty didn't generic. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I know that in so in in the past, before 2017, um, to access the any of the material from the Danish period, which is what we need to do history research and what. Um, People studying their family history need access to that material, too. They need access to the church records, to um, census records, uh, to find their ancestors and to build uh, build their family tree and their family story. Um, in the past, to access a lot of those records, you either had to travel to, De to Denmark, Copenhagen, to visit the archives. Some of the material had been digitized, and you could access it, for example, at the Caribbean Genealogy Library, or you could access it at Landmarks and in uh, St. Croix. Um, but in 2017, Danish Archives um, released a website where they digitized millions of documents, maps, um, blueprints of some of the old buildings, photographs, um, paintings that had to do with the Danish West Indies, and they put it all online. So I don't know if that's what your listener is referring to, but um, uh, uh now that material is, is online, so someone doing research can much have a much more easy time at accessing those records. It is hard to navigate, but the material is there. Um, well, I, I actually found I actually found um, the, a story uh, from October of 1989 mm -hmm. uh, on the source. It says in a, in in a, a historic signing ceremony at Government House, the Danish ambassador of the United States, K.D. Tigerson. Danish Minister of Culture, uh, Elizabeth Gerner Nielsen, and Governor Charles Turnbull paved the way for the preservation and sharing of historical records between Denmark and the U.S. Virgin Islands when Danish rule of the West Indies ended in 1917. Many of the records were removed to the Danish National Archives in Copenhagen. And the Danish government has committed $300,000 to the project, which is expected to take four or five years to complete. And you can get this article on the St. Thomas source. <clears throat> uh, you can Google Danish archives to be preserved. Okay? And you can look that up and uh, maybe we could uh, reach out to Government House to find out if, in fact, um, this was um, actually... Completed. Completed, number one. And, and number two, what were the findings, mm -hmm. which, is, which is the most important thing. Uh, uh, so you could look that up. But that was uh, October 1999 uh, signing, or thereabouts. Yeah, uh, signing. Now, you know, we actually got hit by a hurricane a couple weeks later. Hurricane Lenny slammed into us. So I don't know if that may have impacted, um, you know, early parts of uh, this particular window, but uh, maybe you could check this out. Okay. And see uh, uh, where we at. Okay? So that was October of 1999. Thank you very much, Mr. Wallace-Williams, for uh, educating me uh, on this particular uh, agreement that was uh, agreed to between Denmark and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Now, you mentioned um, Miss Lewis 
being a, a British Virgin Islander, she 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 actually is a professor at Morgan State. Yes, and um, Dr. Lewis is our keynote uh, speaker, and her topic is a United States Virgin Islands question mark. Um, and Miss Dr. Lewis was born and raised on Tortola. Yeah, um, I, I like to have fun. I like to have fun with with folks on the British Virgin Islands because um, they like to believe that they are the Virgin Islands. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but this, I'm just for those who are listening, right? I'm just well, having. Well, they use the name first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They use the name first. You know what I'm saying? So, but you know, <laughs> I try to tell them. You know, we got three different sets of virgins. You know, we got the Spanish mm-hmm. virgins, which is Culebra and Vieques. We got the American virgins, which is us, and we got the British virgins, which is which is them. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, but for some reason. They like to believe that they're the Virgin Islands, you know what I'm saying? And um, we just we just like to let them know, um, no, no, you're a part of the the beauty of the the Virgin area, but you ain't the Virgin Islands by yourself. No, I'm just teasing. So so that's that 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 I want to commend you you and your uh, the library because it appears that um this um, conference was well thought well thought out. In terms of uh, um, putting the sessions together, and that's a good thing. Now uh, we're heading for a break in a little bit. When we come back, I want to talk about my pet peeve, and I know it's hard to you know, you know, gather history, but you know, in the Virgin Islands, we don't really give the Taínos the kind of love they deserve, Miss Abin. Um, you know, we talk about the the other seven um, uh, countries. Um, that that we were under colonial rule uh, to include the U.S., but the reality is the Taínos were here before them, and mm-hmm. I and I know that you mentioned Amerindian. Um, there's there's a session or two, I believe, um, that may be uh, associated with that um, window of time, um, and I think uh, you know we need to actually pay them a little bit more respect, more homage, um, because um, you know they are the true forefathers for the region. And um, and this not just limited to the to the Virgin Islands. This is throughout the Caribbean, um, to include the Greater Antilles. So um, I want to talk a little bit about that when we come back. We got Miss Sophia Bin from the Caribbean Genealogy Library joining us. They got a big conference uh, starting tomorrow, Friday and Saturday um, at UVA in conjunction uh, with the University of Copenhagen. We'll be back right after this. A new year equals new business opportunities at Bank of St. Croix. Bank of St. Croix offers deposit banking products, business online platforms, and commercial loans. Their SBA lending department offers financing options and access to capital for businesses. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallus Bay, 340-773-8500, and one in Peters Rest, 340-713-8500. Bank of St. Croix is an equal housing lender. BankofStCroix.com. I'm Deepa Fernandez from Public Radio's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. We'll bring you all the news that happens between the morning headlines and the afternoon wrap-up, plus conversations with authors and artists, stories that affect you, maybe a story about you. 
So please join us for Public Radio's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 p.m. Right here on WTJX-FM 93.1. Hi, I'm Peter Sagal. You spent the week listening to the news. Don't you think you deserve to show off what you've learned on Wait, Wait, We Give You a Chance to Impress Your Friends with Your Knowledge of International Incidents, Political Gaffes, and the Latest Advancement in German Nudists? You'll be the life of the party! Or the death. Either way, you'll make an impression and you can thank Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Saturdays at 1 p.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. Right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. If it's happening around the world... NPR's Frank Langford is in London covering this one. Hey, Frank. Good morning. Cuba is experiencing its biggest anti-government protests. If it's happening here at home... On a blistering hot day in Twin Falls, Idaho... On the northeast border of Mississippi, where the river nourishes rich and green. Morning edition from NPR News will take you there, wherever the story is. Listen every weekday. From 6 to 8 a.m. here on WTJX FM 93.1. And we're back here on Analyze This, and we're talking with Ms. Sophia Abin from the Caribbean Genealogy Library. i uh, got a conference uh, coming up starting tomorrow afternoon at 1, um, 1 p.m. or 1.30? It starts at 1 p.m. tomorrow. 1 p.m. tomorrow afternoon. Um, family, friends, and institutions across the sea. A three-day conference that will focus on the inter-island connection shared in the Lesser Antilles. And um, the conference is organized by CGL, the Caribbean Genealogy Library, University of Virgin Islands, and the In the Same Sea Research Project from the University of Copenhagen. What time is the keynote speech, speech tomorrow from Dr. Lewis? Um, so tomorrow's presentation will start with um, some short welcomes, one by um, Senator Myron Jackson and then a little bit by me for CGL and then the professor from the University of Copenhagen. Um, so... Dr. Lewis will start around 1.20. Okay, 1.20. So let's just say 1.20, 1.30-ish, thereabouts. And uh, um, we'll get to hear from uh, British Virgin Islander, British Virgin Islander Dr. Joy Lewis, um, who is currently a professor at uh, Morgan State University. And, you know, historically, uh, we have a lot of Virgin Islanders who matriculated at Morgan State University. I don't know if you're aware of that. No, I didn't know that a, yeah, a lot yeah. had, had gone there. Yeah, a lot of a lot of Virgin Islanders graduated from Morgan State uh, University up in the Baltimore area. Now, um, let's talk about the Tainos and and why why you believe uh, is, is it because they were so early in in our history, relatively speaking, over the last six seven hundred years that we don't really have um, as much information as them history on them. Um, because, you know, what the Spanish rolled in here in the late 1400s. Um, and prior to that, uh, our history with, with the Caribs and the Arawaks and the Tainos. Um, and of course, obviously, um, we had a lot of different events that happened, uh, between then and now. Um, wh- why do you think, um, our Taino ancestors don't get the kind of love they deserve? Uh, I think it's multiple things. I think early early on it's because um, the colonizing um, powers were trying to get rid of them, so then they didn't really speak about them. Some of the early missionaries wrote about them, 
um, the early, very early um, documents and books from the missionaries in the 1600s refer to them and give some information about their traditions, but they have a bias to them because they're written by an outside group and a group that was trying to dominate them. Um, but there is a little bit of reference in those very early materials. But I think later on, um, just there wasn't a great interest either intentionally uh, to not discuss them and, and their traditions or just because people focused on, again, the, the colonizing power, like, like you were mentioning, a lot of the history has to do with them. Um, but in the last, I would say, decade, um, there has been a greater interest in studying them. Um, it's hard to study it because a lot of historians use written material or, or oral history in terms of genealogists. Um, so we have neither of those things. Um, but you have to use archaeological research to, to research that period. Um, and you mentioned, um, one of our presentations, um, there is a researcher who's going to talk about the Kalanago, which is the island carib, and his focus is on giving them credit for their mastering of traveling in the Caribbean and, and not just kind of dismissing it as, oh, yeah, they moved from one island to another looking for something. He's explaining that they not only moved, but they went back to some of the islands, so they were familiar with, with a route and how to get to and from that place so giving them more credit than they are traditionally given um, for their ability to navigate the Caribbean. <clears throat> Still, uh, I think it's it's obvious that uh, this part of the the Caribbean, um, you know, the the, the Arab the, the, the Arawaks, the Caribs, Siboney, uh, Taínos, um, their their influence is rich in culture, and I and I think it would benefit everybody if. There was more uh, investment uh, in really trying to find out, you know, as much as we can, you know, how important they are to our history. Yes. There's one of, and some of your listeners might know him, Dr. Amory Caron. He taught at UVI for many years and is involved with Rotary and some other organizations here in St. Thomas. But he's written a, a small book on um, the Taino of the U.S. Virgin Islands. Um, and he has he used a lot of the archaeological research and has written about about them and um, their traditions. So that that is one of the only books that I I know of that's written about the um, Amerindian people in in the U.S. Virgin Islands area. What's and that was written and that was written a few years ago. What's What's the name? Let me pull up the full name. It's, I think it's Amer. In the U.S. Virgin Islands, but let me just double check. The name of the book um, and the name of the author, please. Yes. So it's called The Amerindians and Their Legacy in the Virgin Islands, mm -hmm. and the name of the author is Dr. Amory Corona. A-M-O-R-Y? Um, for Amory, it's A-I-M-E-R-Y, and Corona is C-A-R-O-N. C-A-R-O-N. R-O-N. Okay, Amory Corone. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you said the Amerindians? Yeah, the name of the book is The Amerindians and Their Legacy in the Virgin Islands. Okay. okay. And that's one of the few that I know of that was written um, about 
them and about the Amerindians and about their um, their time in the Virgin Islands. Okay. Now you mentioned the movement of um, lesser Antilles inhabitants between the islands, and and actually going to Santo Domingo. Uh, one of the windows um, that, that that a lot of us are familiar with is sugar, cane cotton, and and looking for work. And a lot of us, uh, a, a lot of our uh, um, ancestors, um, not only left the, I mean, they 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 moved throughout the region, but they had to go to the Great Antilles, a Great Antilles, uh, to look for work. Um, is there going to be a mention of that? Even though we're focusing on the Lesser Antilles, we had Lesser Antillians who actually had to um, head up the way to the Great Antilles to look for work to provide for family and send, um, trying their best to send money back home, which is a historical thing here in the Caribbean. Uh, yeah, that's correct. There, there's quite a lot of movement from here to, um, historically, quite a lot of movement from here to Dominican Republic, from here to Panama in the 1900s mm-hmm. and um, yes, I don't think there's anybody, actually, I don't think there's anybody speaking to that. A lot of the, the conversations from the family historians are migration to the USVI, um, but I don't remember seeing anybody's um, presentation descriptions talking about from here to the other islands. Um, but you're absolutely correct. There was a lot of movement from early Early on, there was a lot of movement from other islands to the Danish West Indies. um, From a lot of the other islands, Curacao in particular, there was a lot of migration in the 1800s to the Danish West Indies and even into the late 1800s. But then in the early 1900s, like you said, you see uh, migration from the Danish West Indies and later the U.S. Virgin Islands to some of the other islands looking for work. Um, And some of those families stayed on those islands and then some of them came back. Or they had uh, children born there, and those children eventually came back to the to the USVI to continue their lives here. Uh, but no, there's no, there isn't anybody presenting on that. Okay, no, I just want to bring that up. You know, I, I learned that. You know, you know I'm, a, I'm a history major, and, and I learned that just from seeing names uh, coming out of predominantly speaking Spanish jurisdictions like Cuba and and Dominican Republic, and one name would be English, and one name would be Spanish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so clearly there was movement. Um, you know, I'm a sports junkie. So when we see athletes and we see one name like a the great boxer, is a great boxer from Cuba. His first name was Teofilio, and his last name was Stevenson. You know what I'm saying? So right off the bat, and and, and Cuba, Cuba is a Spanish-speaking country. So the, I was curious as to wait a minute, Stevenson. That's not a, that's not a Latin name. Um, mm-hmm. And then when you you know you, you do the research, you find out that there's a reason for that. And same thing, um, we actually had a baseball player whose dad was from Puerto Rico, but he was from Dominican Republic. His name was Juan Samuel. And his mom, I think his, his mom or his dad was from Fredericksted. But their roots had, um, uh, had movements between the Virgin Islands and the Dominican Republic. So that's, that's, that's unquestioned, um, the, the movement that took place. Is there any, um, any of the sessions going to have any discussion on uh, Alexander Hamilton? Because that's a classic example of movement. He was originally from Nevis, but found his way to St. Croix before he moved down to the mainland. Mm, nope, there's no presentations on, on Hamilton. Um, you did mention the DR in Cuba, and Dr. Vincent Cooper, who's a professor at UVI, mm-hmm. he speaks about his family's migration, the Cooper family, and includes 
their migration includes the Dominican Republic, Cuba, and then St. Croix and the, and the U.S. Virgin Islands in general. So his, his presentation about the Cooper family includes those three islands. Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah, I, I see that here. By the way, we could run through a list of um, the presenters. Mary Draper, she's going to be talking about dry weather. Yes, Mary Draper is a, a professor of history in, in the U.S., and her presentation is looking at droughts and how drought affected um, trade. So in the, when there were in droughts the island, in some yeah. islands, yeah. yeah, they started doing freshwater trade. But she's also speaking about how that affected enslaved people, because when freshwater became a resource that was so limited, in many cases, it, it wasn't shared with the enslaved population, so it caused... Um, death because people were dehydrated there wasn't any fresh water and they weren't being given um so she talks about the trade but she also talks about the effect um on enslaved people mm-hmm. on those islands where there was drought and then you got john uima speaking about the islands of yeah. green yeah john uima is a local artist he's a conceptual uh artist and he um made a very large art piece that was used in a Cuban in a Cuba uh, art exposition some years ago and he will be presenting that artwork and that artwork deals with the immigration to and from the US Virgin Islands in the 60s 70s and 80s so his artwork will be on display and he will discuss um, the artwork and that part in USVI history um, the significance of immigration to and from Don Walachek. Uh Don is a professor in the in Puerto Rico, and his presentation is about um, belonging in the 19th century in Samana, and he talks about um, people of color moving from the United States mainland, from other Caribbean islands, and also including um, runaway enslaved people, and how they formed a community in Samana, and how they maintain their identity of where they came from and maintain a certain language, and then how they were um, treated, how they they got a sense of belonging in that community coming from different places. John Angus Martin. Um, John is going to talk about um, the Mount Moritz Bayesians, uh, Grenada's lost white tribe. Um, he explains that there was a group of poor whites that moved to Grenada um, and formed a community and are still still in that area. So he he's talking about that. And I think John currently works, I, I think originally he's from Grenada, but he currently works in preservation in Saba. Um, so we try to include people from different Caribbean islands to 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 give a, an overview of history from different islands, not just the USVI. Um, some of the other topics um, do include the USVI. And Timothy Hodge, I think I had him on last week. He was part of the um, Passport to the World um, uh, group of the UVI that went to Ghana uh, last year. Um, okay, so, so Timothy Hodge is a genealogist, and he's, I believe, the president of the Anguilla Genealogy Society. Mm-hmm. Um, he went to UVI. He's, his PhD is from UVI. Um, he's describing the migration of an of people from Anguilla to other Caribbean islands and how that affected Anguilla and how um, the people from Anguilla have contributed to the islands that they migrated to. And you know who's the most famous Anguillan that, uh, Angu- Anguillan roots, right? You familiar with that? Yeah, who is that? Tim Duncan. 
Oh, I know. I didn't know. His mom and dad are from Anguilla. Okay. Yeah, so now you know, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Aubin, it was nice talking with you. By the way, one of my listeners, uh, one of my treasured listeners, said, what about the VI Historical Society? Maybe you want to include them going forward? Um, Because I'm sure they have some some critical information that you'd appreciate. The CGL. Okay. So if you will, look, reach out to the VI Historical Society. Okay. And, uh, it, it, that's this, the Society of Virgin Islands Historians or Virgin Islands Historical Society? Virgin Islands Historical Society. Okay. Yeah, so reach out to them and I'm sure they could be providing uh, some critical information. So good luck um, with the conference um, beginning tomorrow afternoon, 1 p.m. Let me um, do, the, do the highlighting again. Family, friends, and institutions across the sea. It's a three-day conference that will focus on the inter-island connection shared in the Lesser Antilles and uh, the Caribbean Genealogy Library, UVI, and the University of Copenhagen's In the Same Sea Research Project are the organizers. And we wish you all the best and have a wonderful uh, conference and weekend, uh, Ms. Abin. Thank, thanks for having you on this so morning. Much. Great, great, great discussion. Thanks for waking me up. I appreciate that. We'll take a break, uh, and we'll be back uh, right after this. Views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Ability Radio is a program brought to you by the Disability Rights Center of the Virgin Islands to promote a more inclusive Virgin Islands. Ability Radio brings you information on health care, art, culture, education and current affairs where we engage in lively discussions with guests locally and abroad. Join us every Saturday morning at 11.30 a.m. on WTJX-FM. These days people go to great lengths to shed the stress of daily life. There's acupuncture, deep tissue massage, meditation, yoga. At All Things Considered, we offer our own type of healing, invigorating news stories that span the rainbow of human experience. Nourish your mind and escape from the ordinary. Weekdays on All Things Considered from NPR News. From 5 to 8 p.m. right here on WTJX-FM 93.1.